This is Zombie Chickens Podcast, where two heads are better than one, even if they're undead. My name is Marnay. And my name is Megan. And in this episode, we are looking at the different places of the world that celebrate Halloween or a variation or some sort of... Or a form of... Halloween. Yes, that represents a day of... The dead. The dead, basically. So, we all know from the previous episode, we talked about the um, history of Halloween. So, if you haven't listened to that episode, go do that. It's just interesting. You don't need to know it to listen to this episode. It's just fun to know. But today, like I said, we will look at Halloween across the world. Yes. So... Not just America celebrates Halloween, and we will tell you all about them. We have 12 um, different countries that celebrate a form of Halloween, and we'll each do six Mm -hmm. um, of those countries. So I'll start us off with Mexico, which is probably one of the most famous, I would say, Mm. celebrations other than Halloween, which is the Day of the Dead which is Dia de los Muertos. Mexico and Spain are famous for Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, which is celebrated annually from October 31st to November 2nd. Day of the Dead is not a Mexican version of Halloween. Though related, the two annual events differ greatly in tradition and tone, whereas Halloween is a dark night of terror and mischief. Day of the Dead festivities unfold over two days in an explosion of color and life-affirming joy. Families create ofrendas, offerings, from sugar skulls to tequila to honor their departed family members that have passed. These altars are decorated with bright yellow marigold flowers, photos of the departed and the favorite foods and drinks of the one being honored. The offerings are believed to encourage visits from the land of the dead as the departed souls hear their prayers, smell their foods and join in the celebration. Day of the Dead is a rare holiday for celebrating death and life. It is unlike any holiday where mourning is exchanged for celebration. So these the different days of the celebration is meant for different spirits mm. basically like this so the first day is dia de los angelitos which is spirits of the children dia de los angelitos it translates to day of the little angels yeah i was just about to say um angelitos is angel yeah so it translates to a day of the little angels Aww. so it starts the holiday at midnight on november 1st where the spirits of all deceased children are believed to be reunited with their families for 24 hours families construct an altar known as offerenda um, with the departed child's favorite snacks candies toys and photographs to encourage a visit from their departed children the names of the departed children will often be written on a sugar skull and then there's the second day which is dia de los difuntos which is spirits of the adults so at midnight of the following day november november 2nd the celebrations shift to honor the lives of the departed adults The night is filled with laughter and fun memories, much like the night before. However, the ofrendas take on a more adult-like theme with tequila, panda, muerto, mezcal, polk, jars of otele. Families will also play games together, reminisce about their loved ones and dance while the village band plays in the town. And then there's the third day, which is Spirit of All the Dead. Mm. And that is the Day of the Dead, which is... Dia de los Muertos. Uh, The next day is the grand finale, Dia de Muertos. In more recent times, people come together in the cities dressed up with calavera uh, painted faces, which translates to skeletons, and have parades in the streets. Cemetery visits are also common on the last day as families will go to decorate the grave sites with marigold flowers, gifts and sugar skulls with the departed's name on them. It's customary to clean the gravestone and restore the colour. So there's some breakdowns of what everything means. 
So the calaveras, which is a skull or skeletons, calaveras are ubiquitous during Day of the Dead. The skulls are often drawn with a smile as to laugh at death itself. They take many forms such as sugar candies, clay decorations and most memorable face painting. Sugar skulls are decorated and painted, placed on offerendas of loved ones. Calavera or sugar skull is a decorative skull made usually by hand from either sugar or clay which are used in Mexican celebration of the Day of the Dead. And then there's Flor de Muerta which is the Mexican marigolds. Marigolds are believed to be the pathway that guide the spirits to their offerendas. The flowers' vibrant colours and scent attracted departed souls as they returned to feast on their favourite foods. They are called Flor de Muerta, Spanish for flower of dead, and they symbolise the beauty and fragility of life. Marigold flowers include around 60 annuals and perennials that are native to Mexico and Central America. And then there's the offering, which is the offerenda. Well, the most recognisable aspects of Day of the Dead are the representations of skulls and skeletons. The tradition that holds the most meaning is the offerenda. The offerenda is what the whole celebration is about. It's a collection of offerings dedicated to the person being honoured. A brightly coloured oilcloth covers the table on top of that that sits a collection of photographs, personal items and of the departed person. And then the lower portion of the altar is where the offerings are placed, from traditional Mexican cuisine to other items that represent the honoured person's particular tastes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, um, have you watched Coco? Coco, yeah. It does quite, it, it explains also quite a lot, you know, the Day of the Dead yeah, in the movie. It does, yeah. And I bawled my eyes out. <laughs> I know, it was quite sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have here the next one is Italy and they have Tutti e Morti. I hope I pronounced it right. Any case, the 1st of November is a national holiday in Italy known as Tutti e Santi or Ogni Santi, which celebrates all saints and is followed by All Souls Day on the 2nd of November, a day devoted to honor loved ones who have passed away. Il Giorno dei Morti begins at dawn with a somber mass for the dead, offering prayers and alms for the deceased. After mass, families visit their graveyards to pay tribute to the faithful who have gone before them. At the cemetery, the graves of family members are decorated with, with mums and candles. Yet the day is not only a solemn affair and remembrance of the deceased can turn into a celebratory occasion in certain uh, regions, especially in Sicily. In Sicilian, this Day of the Dead is known as Ugiorno Rimiorti. Children wake up hoping to find a treat from relatives not yet forgotten. The Miorti brings presents of toys and sweets. The tradition serves to strengthen family bonds, linking children to family members who have come and gone before them. Until a few decades ago, it was in fact the only celebration of the year when children received presents. What? Hmm. Usually sweets and toys. Today there are many other occasions during the year. Christmas, Epiphania, birthdays and etc. And the tradition risks to lose its strength. But parents continue to warn their children to behave in hopes that the E Bonarmusa Rimiorti the good souls of the dead, bring them presents. The young ones wake up on the 2nd of November to hunt for presents that have been hidden around the house. Sounds a lot like um, Easter, hunting yeah, for Easter eggs. It's like Easter mixed with Christmas. Uh, one of the most common treats is frutta martorana, sweets made of almond paste that are expertly crafted to look like fruits. Ah. Mm. The marzipan delicacies are a speciality in Paler- Palermo, Sicily, where they are said to have been first made by nuns at the Monastero della Martorana. The nuns prepared the fruta in honor of a visiting archbishop at Easter. The bishop was so impressed by the convincing display of fruit and vegetables that he declared that a miracle must have occurred to allow such a bountiful harvest so early in spring. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Tutti e Morti in Italy. Okay. So the next one is China. 
the Hungry Ghost Festival. Hmm. Also known as the Zongyuan Festival in Taoism and Yu Yulanpen Festival in Buddhism. It is a traditional Taoist and Buddhist festival held in certain East Asian countries. According to the Chinese calendar, the Ghost Festival is on the 15th night of the 7th month, 14th in, in parts of southern China. Uh, the Hungry Ghost Festival is an ancestor worship day, originating from the ancient practice in China of offering sacrifices to ancestors during harvest time. In autumn, ancient Chinese also offered seasonal delicacies to appease their gods. Then they tasted the fruits of their labor and prayed to the gods and their ancestors for a good harvest in the coming year. So the origins. According to historical records, the activities of ancestor worship in autumn first began in pre-Chin period, 210 to 221 BC. Jesus, old. Yes. <laughs> so at first... The activities were only meant for the emperor and princes, but later the practice spread to general public. The date of ancestor worship was uncertain in the beginning. Then gradually it was fixed on the 15th day of the 7th month of the lunar calendar every year, which usually falls on the first full moon day in autumn. The tradition of the Hungry Ghost Festival into the Ghost Festival originated from Taoists, um, practice practices dating back to the days after the Eastern Han Dynasty. Legend has it that on the day of the Hungry Ghost Festival, the gates of hell was were opened, and all the ghosts were released for a short period of freedom. Ghosts who had relatives would return home, and those without relatives would wander around the mortal world. Consequently, festivals were held at this time to offer sacrifices to the ghost, and people lit lotus lamps to illuminate the way home for the wandering souls. Taoists' temples held grand religious uh, assemblies to release souls from purgatory. Later, the Hungry Ghost Festival also bore the influence of Buddhist culture. Buddhism named the Day of Hungry Ghost Festival Ulamabana Festival. I don't think that's how you pronounce it, but let's just go with it. In which ceremonies were given ceremonies were given to free the lonely souls in the underworld. The two customs gradually merged with the passing of time. During the Tang Dynasty, when the rulers advocated Taoism, the Hungry Ghost Festival began to flourish and the Hungry Ghost Festival gradually became the fixed name of the festival. At present, the Hungry Ghost Festival has become a traditional cultural, cultural festival in Chinese culture-influenced countries and regions among overseas Chinese. So there's actually a legend of how it happened and legends about the festival. Mm. So it, says, it is said that Kai Lun invented paper making during invented paper making during the Eastern Han Dynasty. And the shop he ran prospered so much that it brought him great fortune. Um, his brother, Kai Mo, and his sister-in-law, Hyun Yang, greatly admired him. And, Hyun, and Hyun Yang urged Kai Mo to learn paper making from Kai Lun. But Kai Mo lacked the spirit of perseverance and was anxious to open a paper shop before he had even acquired proficiency in the skill of the trade. Subsequently, the paper he made was of such poor quality that nobody showed interest in buying it. Sometime later, Hyun Yang, I, I don't think that's how you pronounce it, but let's just go with it as well, come, uh, came up with a brilliant promotional plan and told Kai Mo to cooperate with her in carrying it out. One night, the neighbors suddenly heard Kai Mo broke into violent mourning in his house. Everyone rushed over to inquire about what had happened, only to hear that Huyun Yang had died the next morning. In the presence of the neighbors, Kai Mo cried in front of her coffin. As he cried, he began to burn paper. Then suddenly, they heard the voice of Huyun Yang from inside the coffin. Open the cover, open the cover quickly, I've returned. As the people mustered up their courage, 
and opened up the coffin. Hyun Yang jumped out. After coming out, she told the neighbors that she had descended into the underworld after her death. And the king of hell tortured her by having her turn a millstone. Because Kai Mo burned a lot of paper money, the ghost all scrambled, scrambled to turn the millstone for her. She then, then gave the paper money to the king of hell, who later returned to the world of the living. Kai Mo deliberately said in an astonished tone of voice, But I didn't give you any money. Hyun Yang pointed to the burning fire and said, That's money. The underworld regards paper as money. When Kai Mo heard this, he immediately brought out two large bundles of paper to burn, saying that he wanted to reduce the suffering of his parents. As the neighbors learned that paper money was so useful, they all decided to buy Kai Mo's paper. Soon the news spread and all the paper Kai Mo had made sold out within a few days. Because the day that Hyun Yang came back to life fell on the 15th day of the 7th month of the lunar calendar, this custom of burning incense and paper for their ancestors on this day started. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So... That's why they burn paper. Huh. Because a guy scammed them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting uh, fact that I have about paper is, one, it's actually di more difficult than you think to actually make paper. Yeah. There's a certain way that you need to put in the sieve to gather the pulp, cotton or linen, doesn't matter what sort yeah. of... Yeah, I've, ma I've made paper before, yeah. But do you know what you call that edge mm -hmm. of the paper? It's called a decal edge. Oh. So that's fibery part mm -hmm. of the edge of the paper is called a decal edge okay fact of the day you watch way too much ui <laughs> no, no 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 that's from from studying that i know that okay <laughs> but yeah i watch too much ui <laughs> so the next one i have is nepal which is the guy jatra so the, or it's Gai, I'm not sure. The Gai Jatra is a festival of dancing, singing and laughter. The festival of Kao is celebrated in the Kathmandu Valley to commemorate the death of loved ones. As part of the festival, family members of the deceased of the past year send mostly children dressed as cows to parade on the streets. The festival usually falls in July or August. Gai Jatra is a time to remember lost ones and also to is the pain. The word Gai means cow in English. Cow is regarded as the goddess of wealth in the Hindu religion. Sharing of sorrow and taking the comfort in knowing that their lost ones are safe is the true reason of celebrating this festival. The day is also marked with a gay parade along with many people dressed in weird clothes. In Bhaktapur, the festival lasts for eight days. The origin of the celebration goes back to the reign of the Mala rulers. It is said that the Mala queen was in mourning for a long time after the untimely death of her son. The king, in an attempt to console her, asked every family that lost a loved one to come out in the procession to show the queen that she was not alone with her suffering. That is why there is such a joy and joking during the procession that goes through the streets. Actually quite a beautiful mm. um, sort of... Well, all of them, actually, all of the celebrations, festivities that we have here, they look beautiful. Yes, it is very, that is definitely a way to experience a country's culture. Mm. It's through things like that, through, through festivals like this. Mm. So my next one is Scotland and Ireland, the Samhain Festival. Samhain is a Gaelic festival marking the end of the harvest season and beginning of winter or darker half of the year. In the Northern Hemisphere, it is held on 1st November, but with celebrations beginning on the evening of 31st of October, as the um, Celtic day began and ended at sunset. This is about halfway between the autumn equinox and winter solstice. It is one of the four quarter days associated with Gaelic seasonal festivals, along with, along with Imbolc, Im, Imbolc, Beltane and Lugnasa. Historically, it was widely observed throughout Ireland, Scotland and the Isle of Man. A similar festival was held by the Britannic um, Celtic people called Calangaiaf in Wales, Calanguaf in Cornwall and Calanguan in Brittany. I 
I'm so sorry for these really bad pronunciations. Samhain is believed to have Celtic pagan origins, and some Neolithic passage tombs in Ireland are aligned with the sunrise at the time of Sa of Samhain. It is first mentioned in the earliest Irish literature um, from the 9th century and is associated with many important events in the Irish mythology. The early literature says Samhain was marked by great gatherings and feasts and was when the ancient burial mounds were open, which were seen as portals to the other world. Some of the literature also associated Samhain with bonfires and sacrifices. The festival did not begin to be recorded in detail until the early modern era. It was when cattle were brought down from the summer pastures when livestock were slaughtered. As a Beltane, special bonfires were lit. These were deemed to have protective and cleansing powers, and there were rituals involving them. Like Beltane, Samhain was a liminal and or threshold threshold festival. When the boundary between this world and the other world thinned, meaning the Ishi, the spirits or fairies, could more easily come into our world. Most scholars see the Ishi as remnants of pagan gods. At Samhain, they were appeased with offerings of food and drink to ensure the people and their livestock survived the winter. The souls of dead kin were also thought to revisit their homes seeking hospitality and a place was set at the table for them during a Samhain meal. Mumming and greasing were part of the festival from at least the early modern era, whereby people went door to door in costume reciting verses in exchange for food. The costumes may have been a way of imitating and disguising oneself from the Ishi. Divination was also a big part of the festival and often involved nuts and apples. In the late 19th century, John Rees and James Fraser suggested it was the Celtic New Year, but this is disputed. In the 9th century, the church had shifted the date of All Saints' Day to 1st November, while 2nd November later became All Souls' Day. Over time, it is believed that Shawin and All Saints or slash All Souls influenced each other eventually synchronized into the modern Halloween. Folklorists have used the name Samhain to refer to Gaelic Halloween customs up until the 19th century. Since the later 20th century, Celtic neo-pagans and Wiccans have observed Samhain, or something based on it, as a religious holiday. So there's a few different things that I can also read, like the Samhain monsters. Because the Celts believe that the barrier between worlds are bre was breached, breachable during Samhain, they prepared offerings that were left outside villages and fields for fairies or sids. It was expected that ancestors might cross over during the, this time as well, and Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. Some specific monsters were associated with the mythology surrounding Samhain, including a shape-shifting creature called a puka that receives harvest offerings from the field. The Lady Gwyn. The Lady Gwyn is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a big black pig. <laughs> a pig of all things. Yes, and a black one at that. Okay. The Dullahan sometimes appeared as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads, riding flame-eyed horses. Their appearance was a death omen to anyone who encountered them. A group of hunters known as the Fairy Host might also haunt Samhain and kidnap people. Similar are the Slochs, who would come from the west to enter houses and steal souls. Sloch. <laughs> Sounds like sloth. I, I imagine a sloth <laughs> to kidnap to kidnap you oh my god still their souls creeping you know slowly <laughs> and by the time morning comes he hasn't even entered your room yet uh, hmm. I don't trust sloths though they have s something mischievous about them yeah oh and then oh this is just one other thing that I wanted to about the middle ages and sewing as the Middle Ages progressed, so did the celebrations of the fire festivals, bonfires known as Sanganans, which were more personal sowing 
fires near the farms became a tradition, purposely to protect families from fairies and witches. Carved turnips, called jack-o'-lanterns, began to appear, attached by strings to sticks and embedded with coal. Later, Irish tradition switched to pumpkins. Hmm. In Wales, men tossed burning wood at each other in violent games and set off fireworks. In Northern Ireland, England, men paraded with noisemakers. They don't state what the noisemakers are, but noisemakers. Okay. okay. Yeah, so jack-o'-lanterns started as turnips. Huh. Yeah, because you can't really do anything with a turnip. No, and um, yeah, they were stuffed, embedded with coal, not stuffed, but yeah. And then they later switched to pumpkins. So that is where the jack-o'-lantern comes from, which was technically the origins of Halloween, basically. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, and there's also a trick-or-treating fact, if you'd like to hear that too. Uh, you can give it. <laughs> so it says, trick-or-treating is said to have been derived from ancient Irish and Scottish practices in the nights leading up to Samhain. In Ireland, mumming was the practice of putting on costumes, going door-to-door, and singing songs to the dead. Cakes were given as payment. And then Halloween pranks also have a tradition in Samhain, though in the ancient celebrations... Uh, tricks were typically blamed on fairies. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. There you hmm. go. <laughs> hmm. Well, my next one, I couldn't find a lot of information over this one. I'm so sorry for anyone from the Philippines that has to listen to this one. But it's the Pan Pangangalululawa. It is a Tagalog tradition observed annually on the 31st of October during All Hallows' Eve. The practice of Pangan Galulawa is a folk tradition where people visit houses at night to sing songs related to All Saints' Day or All Souls' Day to solicit for gifts. The practice is more common in the rural areas and is often done by children or teenagers. Hmm. In the town of Sariaya, Kuzon, Pangan Galulua is often observed from the 27th to the 28th of October. A dying tradition in the town, the tradition has received by the local tourism council in 2005 as an annual fundraising for the local government's Berlin Festival in December and the development of the local tourism in general. It is usually held on the no- November the 1st according to an account of a resident senior citizen born in 1920 after families were returned to their houses from their c- uh, cemetery visits. The modern practice of Pangan Galulua is in Sari- Sariaya town involves children dressing in scary costumes similar to the western practice of trick-or-treating interesting so my next one is northern ireland the banks of foil of the foil so this is the same halloween history of the rest of ireland but they actually built an entire festival around it oh yeah the festival happens in Derry in northern ireland mm-hmm. this annual carnival is bold as europe's biggest and best halloween festival and it certainly works hard to earn this title with lots of fantastic events of, for every age the five-day festival running from october 27th to october 31st it seems as though the entire population of the city turns out in wild costumes and with upwards of forty thousand festival goers Sure. The streets, dark alleyways, and the famous dairy walls all crowded with wailing witches, vicious vampires, and ghastly ghosts. Guildhall Square is the focus for many of the events. And for kids, there is a face painting and balloon modeling in the square during early hours. Attractions include the Hall of Horror, a family fun day with fortune telling, scary storytelling, dance performances, face painting, arts and crafts, games, apple bobbing, gunge dipping, which I do not want to know what that is, and much more. After the gunge dipping? (laughs) uh, That's difficult. Uh, And then Halloween night itself is the highlight of the weekend, starting with a huge parade where performers in costume dance along to samba and marching bands with silvery large-scale props and lots of carnival characters. So this is an extract from an article, um, How Derry Became the Best Halloween Destination in the World, by Ben Kelly, which was, he, he is a native Derry citizen. 
Mm. Back in Derry, the carnival we know and love is entirely homegrown. My grandparents' generation have memories of little more than telling ghost stories. But Jacqueline Wawriski, the festival manager, fills me in on how the festivities grew in size. It was started by the local communities, groups getting together and dressing up. She says, Derry has a lot of creativity and because it was a city of shirt factories, people also had the skills to put together great costumes. It was done among the local people long before it drew others in from abroad. In 1986, the city council stepped in to make Halloween more of an organized event. Arthur Artbuckle Arbuckle, was, was one of the workers who helped put the first year together. It was a very small carnival, he tells. We built a stage in the Guildhall Square. There was a small band, no parade, just a festival which then grew year after year. I've spoken to people who've come from all over the world, England, Germany, America. They just thought it was the greatest thing ever. That certainly rings true for the people I spoke to. Lorenzo de Martino, an Italian living in London, visited Derry for Halloween with friends a few years ago and remembers how the locals truly embraced the whole affair. I was positive, positively surprised at the effort people made for fancy dress and how big an event it actually is. He says, It wasn't just about finding a ready-made costume to wear, but to go and find different pieces in different shops to create the best and most original outfit. Otherwise known as being a city of song and dance, rich in history with a reputation for good night out, the Halloween celebration fused the best of dairy together, starting with the 17th century city walls that give it its nickname, the Walled City. Just a small fact, dairy is the only fully intact walled city in Ireland. Hmm. While they've often been seen as a divisive symbol in a city largely populated by Irish nationalists, now the Halloween wakening of the walls we see them brought to life with an art projects and nearby parades has given them a new significance. So they just go full out to celebrate. There's not much history of it, but it seems like just the locals started a full parade and it started to become so big that it's one of the best Halloween destinations in Europe. Hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Just locals that started a Halloween festival. <laughs> It's actually quite cool. I feel mm. like we should start doing it. Yeah, really, really cool. Okay, so next up, it's the Sadduski. Again, I'm so sorry. <laughs> from Poland. So the word Sadduski comes from which would translate as day of prayer for the souls. The eve of the holiday, November the 1st, falls on what is known as All Sales Day in Catholic communities. In the church calendar, that day is followed by All Sales Day, the official day to commemorate the departed faithful. Polish Saduski celebrations begin with tending to family graves and surrounding graveyards on the first day and then extends to the next. November the 1st is a bank holiday in Poland and remains free of work even during communist times, while the following day is not. The Saduski custom of honoring the dead thus corresponds with All Souls Day celebrations in many parts of the world, but has more profound meaning and is much more observed in Poland than is most places in the West. In the Polish calendar, Sadushki is, along with Easter and Christmas, a requisite opportunity to meet one's extended family. In today's society, that means travels can be long as all roads fill and traffic is usually exceptionally heavy. It is sad and well-known fact that the road accidents peak during this holiday. Many of the folk traditions surrounding Sadushki have ancient pagan roots. According to old beliefs, during this time, the spirits of, of forefathers come to inhabit our world once more. Not disturbing or angering the forefathers was considered very important. For example, if water or waste had to be thrown on the ground, a word of warning had to be uttered to alert the invisible spirits. In general, not undertaking any work and going to bed early was preferable during this time as to not interfere with the doings of the spirits. Instead, food and other items were prepared for the forefathers and feasts were held among the living as well. The dead were said to attain a special mass during the night, where no living persons should allow themselves to be found. Other tradition involved the baking of bread to be brought to the graveyards and distributed to the poor or the clergy or to be left at the graves. 
This tradition served the purpose to please the spirits or to bring good fortune. In keeping with church practices of the times, this could also be a way to atone of the sins of the forefathers and thus relieve the suffering of the spirits in purgatory. The honouring of the dead during the holiday holds similar importance all over Central and Eastern Europe and many of the Polish folk customs that can trace back to the common old Slavic traditions. Hmm. Oh. Okay, my next one is Haiti. Fet Guere is the voodoo equivalent of Mardi Gras, the Mexican Day of the Dead and Halloween all in one. Fet Guere or Festival of the Dead is one of the most important celebrations in the voodoo religious calendar. In Haiti, the event, which is commemorated yearly on the first and second days of November, is marked by converging on cemeteries to honor Haitian ancestors with rituals and sacrifices. In the Haitian voodoo, the Gwede is a spirit related to death and fertility. The rituals performed during Fet Gwede are not for the faint of heart. Singing, dancing and drinking are accompanied by animal sacrifices, various other offerings and actual possessions by spirits. In Haiti, each religion celebrates it this differently. Catholics meet at church for a mass dedicated to the deceased. The Protestants come together too, but adherents of one of the country's state religions, voodoo, celebrate their deceased in a much more festive way. Although it overlaps with the concept with calendar space of Christian All, Saints, All Souls Day, Fet Guere traces its origin to African ancestral traditions, preserved across oceans and centuries in modern-day Haiti. Hmm. So, voodoo is a prominent feature of the Haitian culture. As a religion, it has many practitioners called voodooism, voodooism spread across the country. The religious... Syncretism between voodoo and Christianity has historically made it difficult to make an official estimate of numbers of practitioners, since most people who practice Haitian voodoo, to some extent, also identify with the Christian denomination. But unofficial estimates suggest as much as 50% of Haitians practice voodoo. For these voodooism, Fed Gwede is an important occasion to honor the Gwede. But what are the Gwede exactly? Every voodooism has their own Gwede. It's either a close friend or a relative. The Gwede is the reincarnation of a loved one who has come from the afterlife to live in the body of the voodooism who called upon them. But not every ancestor is venerated as a Gwede. For the dead to become a Gwede, the voodooism must through a voodoo ceremony, contact the deceased and transform them into a Gwede, which they can then invoke as they see fit. According to voodoo, by becoming a Gwede, the deceased are transformed from being simply a human soul that has passed on into a Iwa, and this Iwa generally has a name that begins with Gwede. For example, Gwede Lore, or Lore meaning thunder. Sometimes a relative who serves as a Gwede dies, and another voodooism decides to take up servitude of that same Gwede. During Gwede celebrations, uh, the streets of every city are full of voodooism. On November 1st and 2nd, voodooism come together to around cemeteries to make devotions, perform precise rituals, and to generally honour the deceased. Every cemetery on the island is overrun by voodooism. Uh, some possessed by Gwede and others not. Those who are possessed are easily recognizable by their attire. Dressed in white, black and purple, their faces covered in white powder and black sunglasses, a walking stick in hand, and the indispensable bottle filled with alcohol and hot peppers. Mm. The Gwede loves hot peppers and from time to time, in the middle of the street, they pour the pepper-infused alcohol all over their bodies and practically on their genitals. Oh, Why and particularly the? on their genitals. That's going to burn. Writhing and mimicking erotic postures and scenes, much to the delight of spectators. <laughs> Possessed by the Gwede Iwa, these men and women cover several miles on foot while dancing, their waists leading their every movement. Following an unspoken instruction, they all share a single final destination, the cemetery. Once at the cemetery, the boisterous spectacle continues with loud singing, erotic dancing, and bodies drenched in spicy substances. 
Other voodooism who have come to visit their deceased relatives and friends take some time to pour coffee and grilled corn on their graves and talk with their relatives or close friend. But first, paraders must obtain permission to enter the cemetery as the ceremonial grave of the first man, Bawan Saimdi, and the first woman, Manman Bridget, the Gwede, are a very large family. Bawan Saimdit represents the father, Manman Bridget, the mother, and they're followed by Bawan Kriminal and Gwede Nibo, Gwede Lorai, Brave Gwede, Gwede Zan Renyen, who together form an escort for all Gwede. Bawan Sam Saimdi, also known as Papa Gwede, presides over the festivities. Papa Gwede's colours are black, white and purple, and he is often characterised smoking cigars, wearing a top hat and sunglasses, frequently with only one lens. Some say this is because Bawan Saimdi sees both worlds, which gives him an uncanny resemblance to the one-eyed god Odin of Nordic mythology, who also tread the path between the dead and the living. That's interesting. Um, can you remember the movie The Princess and the Frog? Yes. That, yeah. That guy. That was the... Wasn't he Papa something? Papa Gwede. Mm. Papa... However you say it. Mm. Yeah. That's part of the... Yeah, because the whole time when you said it, he's the, myself... He's the father of the sort of spirits, I would say. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is Ubon in Japan. Ubon, also known as Bon Festival, is an event that takes place over the course of several days, commemorating and honoring ancestors. Ubon centers around the belief that the spirits and souls of loved ones and dead ancestors come back to visit. Ubon takes place usually around mid-August, though specific dates for celebrations and, f- and festivities depend upon the region. For the year of 2018, Bon Festival began in August the 15th the 13th and concluded on August the 16th. During Ubon, there are traditionally lanterns that are hung in front of houses, dances that are performed, and offerings, ozen, that are put out in front of altars, temples, and sometimes grave sites. Many people will also visit these grave sites to clean and wash gravestones and make markers for the family. This common practice in Japan and ladles of water are usually provided by the cemetery and the people who run it. The lanterns are to guide the ancestors home and, in some cases, a communal fire is lit. The offerings are done as a way to unify the spirits with the living and as a symbolic way to treat them as the living. The dance is known as Bon Odori is a specific type of dance done during the festival. There are conflicting reports as to the reason behind the dances, including doing as a sort of ritual to honour those who have passed during the, the Genpei Wars. Still others say it is done in a way to be meant as if they were dancing with their ancestors. The reasoning may also depend upon region, so there is not one specific reason for the Bon Odori. At the end of the Bon Festival period, fires and lanterns are once again put out to send the spirits home to where they come from. Some lanterns are released on the water, lit with a candle that represents the soul of the ancestors. It looks actually quite beautiful it with all so the lanterns. It is so beautiful, yeah. Really, really beautiful. Okay, so my next one is South Korea. Uh, the Chuseok. Chuseok literally means autumn evening. Also known as Hangawi from archaic Korean for the great middle of autumn. is a major harvest festival and a three-day holiday in South Korea celebrating on the 15th day of the 8th month of the lunar calendar on the full moon. Chuseok, Korean Thanksgiving Day, is one of the biggest and most important holidays in Korea. Family members from near and far come together to share food, stories and give thanks to their ancestors. Many Koreans visit their hometowns to spend quality time with their family. For tourists, the holiday also provides a good opportunity to experience traditional culture throughout Korea. The meaning of Chuseok. Chuseok is one of Korea's three major holidays, along with Solal, Lunar New Year's Day, and Dano, the fifth day of the fifth new lunar month. According to the lunar calendar, the harvest moon, the largest full moon of the year, appears on the 15th day of the eighth month. The traditions and custom of Chuseok. In the morning of the day of Chuseok, family members gather at the head house 
of the family to hold memorial services called chare in honor of their ancestors. Formal chare services are held twice a year. During Chosok's chare, freshly harvested rice, alcohol, and songpyeon, which is half-moon rice cakes, are prepared as an offering to the family ancestors. After the service, family members sit down together at the table to enjoy delicious food. Another traditional custom of Chosok is Sangmyo, or visit to the ancestral graves. Sangmyo is an old tradition that is still carried out to show respect and appreciation for family ancestors. During Sangmyo, family members remove weeds that have grown around the graves and pay their respects to the deceased with a simple memorial service. As Chosok is, is a celebration of harvest and abundance, the holiday period is made joyful with various entertainment and folk games such as Samul Nori, Talshum, a mask dance, and Gang Gang Sole. Gang Gang Sole. <laughs> I uh, almost thought you were going to say Gangnam style. <laughs> which is a Korean circle dance. Okay. And Shiryum, traditional Korean wrestling. I'm so sorry about these pronunciations. Gang Gang Sole, Sole is performed during Jungwol Taboriam. In this dance, women dressed in hanbok, which is traditional Korean clothing, joins hands in a large circle and sing together on the night of the first full moon and on Chosok. There are several stories about its origin. One of the most well-known stories says that the dance dates back to the Joseon uh, dynasty, when the Korean army used to dress to ya the young women of the village in military uniforms and had them circle in the mountains to give off the appearance that the Korean military was greater in number than it actually was from the enemy side. The Korean army enjoyed many vic victories thanks to this scare tactic. Syrium, another significant traditional entertainment, is one of is a one-on-one -on -one wrestling match held on a circular sand pit that requires strength and skill. And then the Chosok foods. A variety of foods are prepared during Chosok to celebrate the bountiful harvest of the year. And one of the most significant foods that represents Chosok is Songpyeon. Songpyeon is prepared with rice powder that is kneaded into a size that is a, a little smaller than a golf ball. And then filled with sesame seeds, beans, red beans, chestnuts or other nutritious ingredients. During the steaming process, the rice cakes are layered with pine needles to add the delightful scent of pine. Hmm. It is an old tradition for the entire family to make songpyeon together on the eve of Chosok. An old Korean anecdote says that the person who makes beautifully shaped songpyeon will have a beautiful baby. <laughs> Other significant uh, Chosok foods include traditional liquor and jeon, Korean pancakes. Jeon are made by slicing fish, meat and vegetables and then lightly frying them in a batter of flour and eggs. They make a perfect pair with traditional Korean liquor. Huh. Yeah. Sounds, sounds actually quite cool. Yeah, I, I would really love... This is things I would want to experience in a different country. But just the problem, to experience but the problem the is, it's it's you have to go every year to a different country, exactly. which is actually kind of cool. Which would I wouldn't mind to mm. experience the these traditional things. Mm. Um, but luckily, most of these fall on different times of the year. Mm. A lot of them fall over um, the November mm. October period, but. A lot of them are like September, August. Mm. I know there's a few July ones as well. Mm. So my next one is, I'm so sorry, Pichumbin from Cambodia. So Pichumbin, which falls on the 15th day of the 10th Khmer month and marks the start of a 15-day religious festival in Cambodia. The Cambodian Buddhists believe that every year the souls of their ancestors are released for 15 days. That's very specific in mm. any case. Pichum Ben marks the start of a, the journey of souls to purgatory that is in between place that is neither heaven nor hell. The course of the journey will be decided by their karma and by the offerings made by their living relatives during the Pichum, Pichum Ben. This festival begins at the end of the Buddhist Lent. During this time, foods are cooked for the monks to generate merits that will benefit the dead. 
The 15-day ceremony of Petrumbin is a time for Cambodians to honour their previous seven generations of ancestors. The first 14 days, days are known as Kanbin, and during this time families gather at nearby pagodas, offering food and prayers to the ancestors to save them from bad karma. The belief is that deceased relatives wait at the pagodas for their loved ones to return to them. Ben Thorm on day 15 sees families bring baskets full of flowers and children offering sticky rice cake to the monks. This is the main festival day and everyone dresses up for the occasion. Cambodians believe that their actions on earth shape their appearance as ghosts after death. By praying and offering food during Patrum Ben, the family is helping their ancestors pass on to a better life as well as ensuring their ancestors don't get angry and curse them. The festival dates back to the Middle Ages and is among most important holidays in Cambodia. Nowadays, students and workers will return back to their families to observe Pachumben with them and make them their offerings. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so most of these traditions and cultures are basically just celebrating, celebrating the, dead. the dead and giving them offerings. Yes. Yeah. It's quite cool. Well, that was our um, twelve places 12 around places. the ba- places around the world that celebrate Halloween or a form of form of Halloween of celebrating the dead. Mm. So, um, if you have any stories from your culture and your traditions, mm. you can always contact us on social media and leave a comment or message us or mm. DM us. Yeah, because uh, we as South Africans, um, Afrikaans South Africans, we don't have a tradition to celebrate the dead. No. I think, you know, once they're in the ground, you forget about them. Yeah, no, there's, it's very rarely where mm. our... I think it might be in our some, culture. some families that might do it, but most no. families don't. Yeah, most families don't. It's in our culture, it is that you just... Visiting a grave is not really a thing. Mm. I think we try to, rather than celebrating the dead, we not forget about it. I but think we we we, we try th- to forget about the hurt and the I loss. I think we celebrate their life. Yeah. Than, than what we would, you know, celebrate their dead. The the, 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 the Not dead. necessarily. I feel there's a lot of people that just not ignore. They just move on with their lives. Mm. They don't think about the past. They don't think mm. about. Um, the people dying that died, they just mm. move on. We're a very heartless, um, <laughs> I would say heartless, <laughs> heartless culture <laughs> when it comes but, to things like that. But anyway, do tell us your culture yes. if you have something. And then you can follow us on all of our social medias at Zombie Chickens Podcast. You can also support us on Patreon if you want. It starts at $1.50. Um, but if you want more content, which we are very hard working on, it's from five dollars. Yeah, sure. I we need to need, we need to actually look at the price because you ask me all the time and I do not remember. Five dollars and up, uh-huh, sure. for extra content, and you can get us at Zombie Chickens Podcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or for future episodes in our Patreon, you can email us at zombiechickenspodcast at gmail.com. And then that's that. Hmm. Cheers for years. Cheers for years.